broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Midtown Business Radio. What is up, everyone? It is CW. Thank you for checking out the Midtown Business Radio Show. On this week's episode, we wrapped up a series we've been doing with Dr. Gilles Lamarche, Vice President of Professional Relations from Life University. We've been featuring businesses and folks from the Atlanta area who exemplify integrity in their professional and their personal lives. And I was pleased to host Harrison Ray. He's a senior at Pace Academy here in Atlanta. He was nominated to be considered as a recipient for the Integrity for Life Award that's going to be awarded by Life University at their upcoming Life Talks World Congress event held May 12th and 13th at the Marietta campus. While a student at Pace, Harrison participated in the theater program, both appearing on the stage in fall musicals as well as working backstage as a member of Tech Crews. He was also an active member of the band, playing French horn in concert and pep. And he earned varsity letters in cross country and swimming and was a member of the AA State Championship Swim Team in 2016. He was recognized as a peer leader and president of the PASS Club, which is actually an organization that provides the students with resources that they can go to in confidence to ask for assistance if they're having some troubles around consuming alcohol or other activities that may need either a ride or just some advice serving his classmates in a time of need. Harrison was a member of the National Honor Society, and he was also a delegate to the Georgia Boys State. And one of the things that really caught my attention was that since 2012, Harrison's been actively involved in an organization called Teen Corps, This is a program that's sponsored by Emory Medical School's Physician Assistant Program, and it's led by Jody Guest. And what they do is each year they travel with a group of students to South Georgia, and they provide free healthcare assessments and referrals to migrant workers working in the fields, many of them being undocumented workers with no access to real healthcare of any kind. Beginning in the fall, Harrison's going to be starting as a student at Georgia Tech on a four-year Naval ROTC scholarship where he intends to major in nuclear engineering, and he hopes to be commissioned in the Navy after graduation. Here's Harrison talking about his experience in the Teen Corps program and the impression it made upon him getting to meet these folks whose lives are so different from his own. Teen Corps is this service project that I've been on for the past four years, and basically myself and about 15 other high schoolers go to South Georgia with Emory's PA school, which is physician's assistants. And for a week, we give free health care to migrant farm workers and their families who are living down there and working all the time. And it really gives you a good perspective on sort of where your food comes from and how these people live. And it's eye-opening for someone like me who goes to a nice private school in Atlanta and has never really you know, had to do this sort of manual labor to go down and see just how terrible the conditions are and how these people you know, leave their families and Mexico and Guatemala and Venezuela and wherever their families live. And they come back to 17, 18 year olds, just like me. And they're working in the fields from sunup to sundown, making very, very little money and then sending almost 70% of it back home to their family. And these people have never seen a doctor. They've never seen any kind of medical care at all. And they come in and have just shoulder pain and don't really know what to do about it. So we give them basic medication to help with that. Or if they want sort of moral support. Lots of these people are very upset that they've had to leave their family home. So I think it's really powerful for them to have people come down and just ask them, you know, how are you doing? How are you feeling today? And it's difficult. You know, some of them don't speak English, so we have to sort of work through translators. But the translators we work with are just the absolute best, and they really understand what we're trying to do. And so I think it's it's powerful, not, not only for me to see what's going on and sort of witness what other people live like, but powerful for those people as well to just see that people do care about them. 
I was also pleased to host Aaron Avers. He is the executive chef at the new Colony Square location in Midtown for The Establishment. While in Buckhead, the establishment came to be known as a great place to meet up and have high-quality cocktails, and then they decided they wanted to up their game as it related to the food side of the business, giving Aaron the opportunity to step up and lead the kitchen, applying his creativity and artistic approach to crafting a great-looking menu, including an awesome-sounding burger, which we all love here in Atlanta. Here's Aaron talking about how it went down. Check it out. The establishment was originated in Buckhead. It was a very upscale lounge that served very high quality cocktails. And they decided that we are one of the best bars around, that we need to absorb the food scene because Atlanta is a giant yeah. food mecca, you know, along with DC and Charleston. It's it's known to have great food everywhere. So we transferred into Midtown, built up a whole new kitchen. I got a a huge menu set up for us, you know, a little bit of everything from around the world. And it's kind of nice to have the free reins to create and do things that I want to do and not have to sit back and ask permission from somebody. Brandon Lewis, our owner, uh, he's very, very giving with us and saying, you know, I'm putting you in this position to take control and do you. We want you to shine as a chef. I want to see what you can do without any hesitations or boundaries in your way. And he just kind of opened up the path and said, you know, you're free kid, go. And I just ran through the park. Yay. (laughs) Stick around for the full interview with Harrison Ray and Aaron Avers coming up next. Good morning, everyone. It is CW Hall, your host here on the Midtown Business Radio Show. Thank you for making us a part of your day again today. Pleased to have in studio with me frequent co-host, Dr. Gilles Lamarche, Vice President of Professional Relations at Life University. Just rolls off the tongue. You've been here so often. Good morning, CW. Pleasure to be with you again. Had an arduous journey down from Marietta to get here today. Yeah, a little bit of traffic today, but uh, you know, we get used to Atlanta traffic. I was just running (laughs) real tight on my schedule, so I was glad that I could call you and let you know I'd be just on time. Came in for a hot landing (laughs) right before we went on. That's awesome. And as we have been, we've been featuring businesses from the Atlanta community that put integrity at a core of their both professional as well as their personal lives. And one of the things that we've been doing that for is to uh, lead up to the Life Talks World Congress event. That's, geez, it's actually right around the corner. I can't believe we're coming up on May already. Talk about that. 16 days, May 12th and the 13th, the uh, Life Talks World Congress at Life University with a host of phenomenal speakers focusing on integrity from uh, Dr. Michael Benelli, who's coming in to talk about environmental sustainability to Angeli Aurora from the Atlanta Birth Center, who's going to talk about integrity at birth. And uh, one of my favorites, actually, is a lady by the name of Scarlett Lewis. And Scarlett lost a son uh, in 2012 to a shooting Hmm. at uh, Sandy Hook in Connecticut, one of the 26 kids that was killed. And when she got home that day, her son in the morning had left her a note, unbeknownst to her, had left her a note on the refrigerator and she was telling me when I spoke to her on the phone, she said, I read that note and I thought, you know, I could choose anger and retribution or I could choose love and courage. And she said, in that moment, I chose love and courage. So she's going to be talking about integrity in relationships as it relates to life and death, because um, it's important. It's important for us to recognize that. Then we've got Barbara DeAngelis coming in from Los Angeles. And I think she's probably known to a lot of your listeners, but Barbara is an eight or nine time New York bestseller and has for over 30 years talked about relationships. So she's going to be focusing on integrity and relationships. And she said with self, with others, and with spirit, how we actually choose to show up in the world. So, you know, a lot of great speakers. Those are some of the speakers that we'll have at the Life Talks World Congress, May 12th 
and 13th. And people can register at lifetalks.org. And because they're listening to your radio show, if they put in the word radio in the discount code box, they'll get a $50 discount. Awesome. And we hope you do that. Uh, clearly some high level experts talking about a number of subjects, each of which will leave you with some perspectives that I think could change your experience on a daily basis with your professional environment, as well as the people in your life. Yeah, the business world as well, too, because we've got uh, Dr. Mark, Michael Carlin and Dr. Breno Zawa de Silva, who are going to be talking about integrity in business and compassionate business. The concept of compassionate business is not known to everyone, but the reality is that when you live from that space, your business thrives, and so do your people. And clearly mindfulness will be sort of a center focus of this in terms of keeping certain things in the forefront of your mind as to how you interact, how you react to certain things that happen clearly. I mean, I can't even imagine the the mother who lost their lost their son and having to choose as she did in that moment. And then, you know, and that just goes to show you the power of that choice that you can make that literally you can change your experience from moment to moment, even in amazingly challenging times. Well, one interesting piece that we'll have is that we've got a singer-songwriter by the name of Bob Sima, who's uh, known to a lot of Atlantans because he hosts a lot of concerts here. But Bob will be segueing between the speakers and basically linking every speaker to the actual topic of integrity th- throughout the event. One of the so things, some fun times. One of the things that you're going to also be doing is offering the, the Integrity for Life Award. And we have a nominee in studio with us today. We do. We're offering that award to a high school student who demonstrates integrity in their lives. So other than the Crystal Award, they'll also receive a $500 scholarship. Awesome. And I was really pleased to meet this gentleman, Harrison Ray. He's a student at Pace Academy, recommended by uh, folks who were familiar with what we were doing here and uh, in, in learning about some of the things that he's doing as a citizen uh, in his space, we were certainly pleased to feature him. Harrison, thanks for taking some time out of physics class. Yeah, thanks for having me down here. It's nice to get away from school for just an hour or so. So, as I understand it, you are in the running for Naval Academy. Did you find out whether or not you uh, made it? Yeah, so as it turns out, I actually got waitlisted at the Naval Academy uh, just a couple weeks ago, which, uh, you know, some people would get upset about that, but I'm actually pretty excited about it. Lots of people just get straight out rejected. Um, and it's really nice, at least for me. To sort of be accepted, but just know they didn't have a spot for me this year. Um, maybe I'll come off the wait list sometime this summer, and that'd be just absolutely fantastic. And I'll be heading up to Annapolis just at the end of June. Um, but if not, I'm very excited to be at Georgia Tech next year on an NROTC scholarship. So, And you have an interest, if I remember correctly, in nuclear engineering? Yes, sir. It's nuclear engineering. It, for whatever reason, if I change my mind, it'll probably be aeronautical engineering. <laughs> so, so you'll be you'll be changing the world in one form or fashion, I'm very sure. And as I understand, you're you've involved in a number of things across your high school experience, musical uh, background. Talk about some of some of your involvement with with your school. Yeah. So uh, just last night we had a our last band concert. It was sort of sad for me. You know, I've been in the band all throughout my high school career and my middle school sort of uh, time and. And so it was sad to you know, play in the band for the last time, uh, but it was also really nice. The band sounded great. Uh, we played some beautiful pieces, and I was happy to sort of wrap it up. But I've played French horn in the band for three years. Uh, I played trumpet freshman year, and yeah. then the band director was like, we need a French horn player, and, uh, and he asked me to switch, and I volunteered and just hopped on it and uh, learned how to play French horn sort of on my own, sort of with uh, one of the under, younger kids who knew how to play. Um, but I went in, learned how to play French horn, 
And that's just been a fantastic experience. Um, other than band, I've been involved in theater and sports and uh, peer leadership and uh, an organization called PASS, which is Pace Academy Student Support, which is sort of our anti-drug, anti-alcohol advocacy group, um, which has been a really nice experience too. So, Talk about that a little bit. What, what's the, what, how are you going about raising awareness and maybe changing choices that your fellow students make? Well, we're, we're not so much about changing choices. We sort of understand that you know, high schoolers are going to do whatever they're going to do. Um, and of course, we, we advocate, you know, if you're going to do whatever you want, be safe about it. Um, but we're really there as sort of a support net. So if people do get in trouble, um, past members are going to be the ones that they can count on to be sober at a party, to be sort of able to come out and pick them up if they need to be picked up and get them to help if they need it. Have you had the opportunity to actually put that into into practice? In, no, thankfully, time? I haven't had to. I haven't been in that situation where people have been, you know, really in a bad way. Um, but I'm sure if the opportunity did arise, uh, me or anybody else in past would be sure to step up. It's it's great to have a resource like that that students could actually turn to and have a, a measure of confidence uh, that that they can trust that resource and not fear what's going to happen if I reach out and say, hey, I, I need a little help. Yeah, and we're, we're non-disciplinary all. It's, it's all students. Of course, it's sort of guided by faculty, but uh, it's an all-student organization. Um, so people really know if, they're gonna, if they need help, we're the people they should call. Got selected to go to Georgia Boys State. I, I, your path followed some of mine, actually, in high school. I was a trumpet player, transitioned to French horn, know just how challenging it is to play that instrument and make musical noises with it. Yeah. Had an opportunity to go to Boys State. The thing that I thought was very interesting was talking about uh, Teen Corp. Talk a little bit about that, because that's really a, a nice opportunity that you've had to get out and, and serve uh, a community that was really having some need. Teen Corps is this service project that I've been on for the past four years. And basically myself and about 15 other high schoolers go to South Georgia with Emory's PA school, which is physician's assistance. And for a week, we give free healthcare to migrant farm workers and their families who are living down there and working all the time. And it really gives you a good perspective on sort of where your food comes from and how these people live. And it's eye-opening for someone like me who goes to a nice private school in Atlanta and has never really you know, had to do this sort of manual labor to go down and see just how terrible the conditions are and how these people you know, leave their families in Mexico and Guatemala and Venezuela and wherever their families live. And they come back as 17, 18 year olds, just like me. And they're working in the fields from sunup to sundown, making very, very little money and then sending almost 70% of it back home to their family. And these people have never seen a doctor. They've never seen any kind of medical care at all. And they come in and have just shoulder pain and don't really know what to do about it. So we give them basic medication to help with that. Or if they want sort of moral support, lots of these people are very upset that they've had to leave their family home. So I think it's really powerful for them to have people come down and just ask them, you know, how are you doing? How are you feeling today? And it's difficult. You know, some of them don't speak English, so we have to sort of work through translators. But the translators we work with are just the absolute best, and they really understand what we're trying to do. And so I think it's, it's powerful, not, not only for me to see what's going on, and sort of witness what other people live like, but powerful for those people as well to just see that people do care about them. So how do you conduct the services? Do they provide some sort of a central location, I guess, in the region where these migrant workers are doing their thing that they can come to? And then I guess somehow it's put out into the community that it, the event is coming up where they can come and seek some care. So most of the time we actually drive right up to the field. So we'll be sitting in a parking lot sort of right next to cornfields, tomato fields, whatever you it, it were happen to be by that day. Um, and the workers will literally come out of their little apartments, uh, walk up to us and 
they we sort of have a little check-in and we'll check in with them, uh, take basic vital signs and that kind of thing. And then they'll be sent off to meet with a PA and the PA will diagnose them, see what's going on and talk to a doctor, get them a little medicine for them and send them on their way. And they'll be out in the fields until the end of the day. And so the care that you're providing is totally free to the to the worker. Absolutely free. We Sometimes we have to refer them to local clinics because they need, need some more serious work. And that comes with sort of a slight fee for them. But it's always very minimal. And we try to keep it as low as we can for them. Have you found that they are trusting? I mean, that's a, I would imagine for, for many, that's a, a measure of risk to, to engage with very many people when they're here, if they're un, un, undocumented workers. So what's that side of things like? Some of them are hesitant, but we really try to make sure uh, that they know that we're here to check any kind of documents or anything like that. We just want to help them. And if they need help, they can come to us. They can tell us just their name and we will help them as much as we can with uh, with what we have. Was there a particular experience that stands out as you've been doing this over the last few years that really kind of made an impression on you? You know, the, I was down there last summer and there was a 17-year-old um, and he just came in and just his shoulders were hurting. He didn't know what to do about it, but he was really sort of concerned about it. He thought he had something really going on. You know, I, I turned 18 today, actually. So last year I was 17 with him and I was just, it was really powerful for me to think about how this, this kid really has left his family, is up here by himself, living with a bunch of people. Maybe he knows, maybe he doesn't know, um, doing extremely hard work out in the you know, hot sun of South Georgia uh, just all summer long, and then all fall long, and they just move around. And it was powerful for me to be able to sit there and say, you know, hey, you need a stretch like this. Let me go get you some Advil, get you some Aleve, and we'll see what we can do for you. And just talk with the kid. You know, he was a super nice kid. Yeah, that was probably the most powerful experience for me. Sorry. So, w- what what made you choose to get involved with this organization? I mean, it's you know go- taking your time a week at a time to go down there and and do. Well, somewhat challenging work. You're out there in the heat and you're, you're interviewing and, and helping these, these folks on your own time where you could be out having some fun away from school. So what, what got you? I was actually approached by a family friend. She goes to our church, Dr. Jody Guest. She teaches at Emory now, but she sort of runs the teen core part of this, the just high schoolers who go. And she's been going for a long time now. And she started this program uh, maybe five years ago, six, seven years ago. But she, she approached me and said, hey, would you like to come down with us? Uh, we'd really love to have you. And I said, yeah, I, that sounds like a great time, and went down and really loved it. And I've gone back every year and started going in the fall now. Well, I think that's really a great thing to do, to be able to have someone that's uh, your age, like I said, plenty of things to be doing that would occupy your time and uh, want to take, take the opportunity to just have your own own time and you're taking it down to those folks that are clearly in a bad place. And, and many times, uh, as you talked about, they don't really have access to, to great care just because of the kind of the shadows they have to live in as they live in an undocumented way. And, and the, the work that they do is work that not a whole lot of us that live here um, really want to do. And, and it's backbreaking work and it's not for great pay. So uh, it's amazing that you're willing to dedicate yourself to, to learn more about that and to provide some support. Yeah, well, thank you. Anything that that you want to talk about as far as if someone wanted to, you know, after hearing your story, they want to participate in Teen Corps, is there a way that they might be able to get involved as well to participate? The program is actually super competitive right now. We have lots of kids from sort of my church and my school uh, who are all trying to go into this. I would say if you want to get, if you want to do it, get in contact with uh, Jody Guest. I have her phone number. I can probably put it on the website or something like Mm -hmm. that. And I can give you her email. But just shoot her an email and say, hey, you know, I heard about this program uh, and I'd really be interested. And uh, 
you know, hopefully she can find a spot. Uh, but if not, it goes every year and it goes in the fall. So we'll see uh, what will happen. I'll make sure that we put some contact information up there for Jody uh, so that folks, if they have an interest in trying to participate in that program, that they'll be able to do it. But I, I really appreciate you taking some time out of your morning to come and, and introduce folks to you and some of the things you've been doing. Yeah, thank you for having me on. Up, up next, we've got Aaron Avers. He is the executive chef for a new restaurant here in the Midtown area, the establishment. That's correct. So, Aaron, introduce us to yourself. You've doing, been doing uh, cooking and, and foodie kind of work all your career. Yeah, I, um, <clears throat> I figured out when I was five years old that I wanted to work with food for the rest of my life. Um, it was kind of an eye-opening thing for a spastic little child to kind of latch on to one idea forever. But we, you know, we grew up in Ohio, uh, traveled around a lot, lived in Northern Virginia, South Carolina, um, worked at all sorts of restaurants, um, teaching culinary classes to uh, school kids and uh, housewives, kind of having them elevate the idea of, you know, not just coming home and throwing a casserole in the oven, but being able to, you know, provide uh, a full range of different kinds of eats for their families and kind of bring them together around the, the dinner table kind of how we did it when I was growing up. Mm -hmm. And food was always a big central thing for us. My family's Oklahoma folks. So it was always meat and three and that kind of thing, but it was always tons of people around the table. It was, I, I still remember it very fondly. And, and it, you know, as much as any other activities that we did, I really enjoyed the family meals where we had aunts and uncles and grandparents and moms and dads and kids yeah. at, at a table, a big, big full table. And CW can cook too. Oh, yeah. uh, yes, I've uh, had dinner at his home, and I can tell you that what we had a couple Sundays ago was fantastic. Nice. Did we do crab cakes? No, sweet potato hash. Oh, that's right. That's chicken. right. The it sweet potato hash. That's right. Phenomenal. That's right. Yeah. And you know, interestingly enough, you say culinary arts. Uh, Life University this week announced a new Bachelor of Science in Culinary Arts. Awesome. Nice. So we're going to have to get you to come visit and see what we do when I, after I go visit your restaurant. Anytime. Some of your food. Be a contributor on occasion, sounds like. Yeah. And so for you, did you go, did, did that, that kind of work you followed when you were working through high school and in college and that kind of stuff or your college years? Yeah. Or? You know, my first um, restaurant job, as bad as it sounds, you know, working at McDonald's when I was 15, you know, Sonic flipping burgers, <laughs> uh, and, you know, and you move up to Fuddruckers at 16. Yeah. And then, you know, I found my way into uh, a couple nicer chains like J Alexander's um, and in Columbus, Ohio, uh, we have um, a, a smaller chef that has a bunch of great restaurants and I kind of bounce around with that. Um, you know, I didn't take the culinary school route right off the bat. Uh, my idea was that culinary school is way too expensive. Mm -hmm. You learn in the field, you pick up what you need to know and you continue. But when we moved up to DC area, there was a lot of skepticism, you know, you didn't go to culinary school, kid, what can you really do? Right. Um, and you kind of found that you hit a ceiling at a certain point. You know, you, you want to take over as executive chef. You, you want to be, you know, an owner of a restaurant. Um, you kind of have to go to culinary school. So, you know, I took a two years off. Um, we moved to Charleston, South Carolina, went to school, uh, finished, you know, with my associate degree and the world kind of just opened up after that. I had long considered going to culinary school myself. I, I really wrestled with the notion of going into the culinary arts and being in restaurants and cooking for people. I just love the process. I love, I love making something that I, when you, when you finish it, it looks great, tastes great. And you're like, wow, that was, I did that. That's really awesome. And then 
to have that. We, my wife and I both have that foodie gene where we just want someone to try it. Try it. It's awesome. It's yeah. really good. And then to see someone go, oh my gosh, like like Jill just treated me with just now. Uh, it's just a. It's quite a rush. So I certainly understand the the motivation and the passion that you feel. What do you feel like was the biggest thing that you got by going through the the culinary training? I think it was the science behind how it actually worked. You know, I, I knew how to make the sauce. I knew how to, you know, utilize what I had, but I didn't know why it worked. Um, so I picked up the kind of fine tuning, um, you know, most culinary school students are fresh out of high school, um, early college, they, they kind of rush them through a two year program uh, and they get the basics. But with me going back after so many years, you know, me already knowing the basics, I spent more time you know, studying the science and why everything worked. And, you know, once you understand why it works, you can kind of broaden your horizons and kind of, you know, go out and to do another style of food and start learning, you know, the molecular gastronomy behind uh, some fun ideas and making foams and uh, you know, really doing more practicing to kind of build what the next great food item will be. Now, did you find it challenging having been in the industry for a little while? I know what I'm doing, that kind of thing. How long did it take you to break yourself down and be open to what I'm sure is a measure of criticism that you face probably all the time? It's one of those things where I'm sure you can't do it right very easily. Yeah, I, <laughs> I think it was kind of the opposite. I went in trying to be as humble as I could. Um, but, you know, by the end of when I was a senior, you know, senioritis, I know what I'm doing. Don't tell me what this is. I'm not showing up to class. It kind of got the better of me. <laughs> <laughs> so talk a little bit about the establishment and this restaurant that now that you get to be executive chef for. Be the king of the kitchen. The establishment was originated in Buckhead. It was a very upscale lounge that served very high quality cocktails. And they decided that we are one of the best bars around, that we need to absorb the food scene because Atlanta is a giant yeah. food mecca, you know, along with DC and Charleston. It's, it's known to have great food everywhere. So we transferred into Midtown, built up a whole new kitchen. I got a, a huge menu set up for us, you know, a little bit of everything from around the world. And it's kind of nice to have the free reins to create and do things that I want to do and not have to sit back and ask permission from somebody. So you were given a lot of the creative input as far as what we're going to serve and, and what it's going to taste like, look like, all of that. Yeah, Brandon Lewis, our owner, uh, he's very, very giving with us and saying, you know, I'm putting you in this position to take control and do you. We want you to shine as a chef. I want to see what you can do without any hesitations or boundaries in your way. And he just kind of opened up the path and said, you know, you're free, kid, go. And I just ran through the park. Yay! <laughs> so what's that process like as you sit down, you're trying to craft a whole menu that will hopefully appeal to a fairly broad range of people, I assume, where there's a little bit of something, I guess, for just about everybody. What's that process like and what did you arrive at? Originally, you kind of think that, you know, most chefs, so oh, I can sit down and I can make a menu. Well, making a menu is easy, but costing it out, writing the recipes, yeah. actually fine tuning the plating, that's a lot of hard work. You know, it took months to get all this together, you know, and we're still playing with it now. You know, I put it on the plate and I see it and I really don't like the way it is. So, you know, move the shrimp to one side or, you know, exclude that sauce or add a, add a little texture or crunch to that salad. Um, it's an ongoing process that really doesn't stop. Are there any particular themes that run through the menu that folks might need to know about? Um, 
it's kind of a global cuisine. You know, I do Asian chicken wings, Charleston crab cakes. Um, I got some wild game. We do a coffee rubbed elk chop with, you know, homemade butter. We're actually churning our own cream into butter. <laughs> um, you know, our biggest seller right now is the chub. It's a uh, short rib and brisket burger grind, comes on a pretzel bun. We make uh, blue cheese whipped cream, homemade pickles, and it comes with buffalo fried shrimp on top. That's not inexpensive to make. No, it is not. <laughs> um, but it's, you know, it's, it's flying off the shelves more than anything else. The, the flavor combinations with that is, you know, something we just kind of stumbled upon and people are going, oh my God, where do I get this again? That's one thing I think I've seen here in Atlanta is that folks really do like a very good burger. Uh, burgers are the number one food across America. You got burgers, spaghetti, and pizza. And unfortunately, the pizza and spaghetti thing is kind of overdone. And you you know, you don't, you don't go out and eat spaghetti. <laughs> uh, but finding a, a well-crafted burger, um, you know, you find a lot of restaurants that are fighting. You know, Holman and Finch, I got the best burger in town. You know, Americans want burgers all the time, and there's never a shortage of people for that. I find it interesting with, with Atlanta, so many people, I know very few folks that are actually Atlantans, you know, that grew up here. You're, you're one of the few. Oh, of course I am. <laughs> and, and so it, as I've, I'm not from Atlanta myself, yeah, I'm, they're holding up a picture of the burger and it looks fantastic. Oh God, I can't wait to good. try it. Yeah. yeah. What would you describe as the, is, or is there one, a, a personality, a particular persona from, from an Atlanta perspective around what we do? You know what I'm saying? Is there, there's a, like Charleston, you go and you get some seafood and it has a particular kind of flair to it. I mean, what would you say a personality is in Atlanta? It seems to me to be kind of a mixed bag where we're kind of a Heinz 57 from all over because that's where everybody comes from. Yeah. Uh, well, within the establishment, we try to focus on the Georgia, not necessarily the Atlanta. And, you know, we have a lot of original Georgia themes that go on, you know, even with us working with the Big Green Egg, which is a Georgia based company actually up in Buford. Um, we try to embrace our community around us. Um, and because Atlanta is such a melting pot, we try to mix in a little bit of everything. How does the Big Green Egg relationship come into play in the restaurant? Well, we partnered up with them a few months back and I, uh, we do probably 60% of our menu is prepared some way on the Big Green Egg, whether it's smoked or grilled, uh, you know, the pork belly, the beets, we even make a uh, pound cake on the Big Green Egg. I mean, it's such a versatile piece of equipment that you know, it is very expensive, but it's well worth the money. So do you have several of those massive ones that you're utilizing, I guess? I have two XLs. Uh, <laughs> there's only two sizes bigger than that. And we're working our way up to this. <laughs> so logistically, how do you incorporate that into the restaurant? Uh, we have them both out on the patio right now, um, which is visible from 14th Street in Juniper. And, you know, seven o'clock in the morning, I pull them out. We start getting the coals going. Um, I have a wider range of wood chips from apple, pecan, and hickory. We throw those on, and it's kind of sending up smoke signals all around Midtown. And with blocks away, as you walk out of your office, you can kind of get that smell in the mm -hmm. air. You can kind of see the smoke. And it's almost like a cartoon of like, you know, Wimpy with the hamburgers, where the smoke kind of grabs you by <laughs> yeah. the face, and you kind of float away to the restaurant as, you know, and as you come up, smoke barreling out of the, the patio and the smells are ridiculous and it really helps draw in a crowd. Located in Colony Square. Yep. Right where the old RJ Crickets used to be. Now, are you open for business now? I knew it was in the works. Are you now officially opened? Yeah, we are open every day uh, except for Sunday at 4.30. Um, we run food till, you know, 10 or 11 at night. Uh, the bar stays open till 2. 
you know, people can come have a late night snack, hang out all night, you know, open patio is really nice, uh, nice view of the SCAD performing arts and kind of out to the yard. Now, was that Instagram I was seeing photos on for the restaurant? Yes. Talk about where folks can go and see menu and some of these cool photos that I've been having to uh, sit here and have my mouth water as I'm looking at. Uh, the establishment does have a website. Um, we're working on actually updating some of the food because it has a lot of the original stuff from Buckhead. Um, but it, you can go to chefairnavers.com um, and see some of the stuff that I post. I also have Instagram, Chef Air Neighbors, um, and you can see everything that we serve in the restaurant. We take a lot of pictures of where we're at, um, you know, just trying to get social media involved, uh, a little bit of Facebook here and there. Well, it's been a real treat to have you here, Aaron, and talking about the, the establishment. I'm going to have to go check it out. I'm a big burger fan myself, just like everybody else here in the city, and uh, go take some food photos, as I I'm, I'm want to do everywhere I go. If I take, I, I'm, I'm, I'm that person. I, I social media my food. But we also are <laughs> getting involved in the James Beard Burger Challenge, which is a nationwide challenge where you add 25% of any mushroom to your burger grind. Um, and then the top five winners from across the nation actually get to go cook their burger at the James Beard House in New York. Oh, well, that, that would well, be good luck with that. Yeah, that would be fun, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. So come in, eat one of my burgers, vote for us. Uh, it'll be going on uh, the end of May into June. And so they vote on the James Beard website, did you say? Where do they go to vote for you? How do they do that? Um, they're sending out the information for that right now. Okay. Um, but it's something about the burger challenge, mushroom burger challenge. Uh, people can come in and there's a website that they're building right now and they can go in and vote. We'll so you're definitely. making yours with yeah, truffles, I take it. I actually, I hate truffles. I'm one of the only <laughs> chefs around. I can't stand truffles. So you don't serve any? No, I don't serve it's, any. I guess it's hard to, to, to know if it tastes good if you despise it. So. Well, I mean, I don't like blue cheese and we're making blue cheese whip. Uh, <laughs> we have an olive and caper topping on. I despise olives. <laughs> I know if it tastes bad. I just know that I don't like it. How, I, do, how do you do that when, when there's a particular ingredient that's supremely popular? You talk about blue cheese and, and olives are, some, are things that certain people really enjoy. So how do you, how do you man, manage the taste? Do you make a recipe and then have somebody else sample it that, that enjoys those things who can go, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's probably the worst thing about my job is making food that I personally don't like. And the hardest thing is actually you have to eat it. And there's a lot of chefs that went to school that, oh, I don't, I don't eat that or I'm not going to eat that. Like, no, you're a chef. You eat everything. Even if you don't like it, you got to try it because you got to know at a certain point that's too much or too little or it needs more salt and, you know, it's difficult. <laughs> well, that was Aaron Avers. He is the executive chef for the establishment, new restaurant. Uh, they've been around a little while, but uh, now really starting to put a heavy focus into the food side of the business. Located in Colony Square, as he said, they've got some uh, website that you can go and see some of the information about the menu and they're working on updating that as well to include some of the newer things and then of course we featured today pace academy senior harrison ray a nomination for the integrity for life award from life university and that will be determined and awarded at the upcoming life talks world congress may 12th and 13th that is correct and lifetalks.org is the website you can go to to get registered for Life Talks. We certainly encourage folks to go check that out and, and be a part of that event. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, meeting some of those folks.
I'm looking forward to having you there and uh, lots of other folks as well. Lifetalks.org, May 12th, May 13th on the campus of Life University. And how exciting is it that you're adding culinary arts to to the uh, academic offering? That's really cool. Yeah, and it's a it's a bachelor's degree, so we're at that level. We've you know we've had nutrition, we've had a bachelor of nutrition, a master's in nutrition, and just this week was announced that the culinary arts program is now going to be active as of the fall of this year. That's and awesome. if you want more information about the academic offerings at Life University, that's life.edu. That is correct. And lots of information. They're one of the top rugby schools in the country, competing on a national scale and actually sending folks to the Olympics with some measure of regularity as well. Well, three, three of the men's U.S. players are actually LifeU grads from our rugby program. And we are now in the process of permitting to have a brand new field built. So a turf field is going to be built at Light University. So that's that's newness for all of us because right now they've been playing on grass fields. And in September, we also launch a woman and men's soccer program. So we definitely need to maintain field. The only way to maintain a field is to go with the turf field. Yeah. Was there going to be a collaboration with the new MLS team? Did I hear something to that effect? Um, the Atlanta United is, I was actually asked if they could be practicing on our field as soon as it's built, because they're in the process of building their headquarters and their practice fields up on Franklin in Marietta, but they're not going to be ready for another, I think, eight to 12 months. And so there is conversation already with the Atlanta United about them using our field for practice purposes. Well, if you're checking out our show today and you have a loved one that is coming up on college age and looking at uh, opportunities to go to schools uh, re- locally around the Atlanta area located here in Marietta. I highly recommend that you get over to the campus and check it out. I think that'll make a real impression on you, both from the aesthetics of the campus. It's really a lovely campus, lots of trees. It's a it's just a beautiful green space that the campus is located on. But as much as anything, I think you'll be supremely impressed by the students and the faculty that you meet there. They're very, very engaging. It's very genuine in the way that they really embody the, the the teachings of Life University as it relates to being a good citizen and really engaging the folks around you in a positive way. And you'll certainly feel that if you take the time to just take 20 minutes, I, th- I guess it is, from in town to get up to, uh, to the campus. I know when you came on campus, you felt it. And yeah. When students start in their first quarter, they all must attend a class that's actually taught by our president, Dr. Guy Reekman on rights and responsibilities. Yes, you have rights as a student. Yes, you have rights as a citizen, but with rights come responsibilities. So he he actually teaches that course and it's a mandatory course for all our students to attend. And that's, I believe, is what you feel when you come on campus. They understand they have rights and they have responsibilities. So they take the responsibilities really serious. It's a friendly campus. Like you said, it's beautiful. We're on 106 acres of just gorgeous Georgia greenery. Can, uh, can my employees take that? Because they need to learn a little bit of responsibility. <laughs> well, maybe we could teach them that. We could figure that out, Aaron. That'd and awesome. some culinary arts now. Yeah, that's yeah. right. A number of bachelor's degrees, several master's degrees, and then, of course, the world's largest doctor of chiropractic program available that's right here correct. in Marietta. So we now have 13 uh, bachelor's degrees, well, associates and bachelors, are, and then four master's degrees presently. Our doctor of chiropractic program locally and in the process of developing a program, uh, both chiropractic and sports health science 
in Rome, Italy, not Rome, Georgia. Oh. <laughs> We're looking at opening up a campus in Rome, Italy. So that's in the works, going through accreditation process, et cetera. If you need a chef to go out to Rome and help you cook, you just let me know. You might, you might just want to <laughs> I would be come on more my... than happy to fly out there. <laughs> if Thanks, you, Aaron. If you are checking out today's show by podcast and you've not done so already, you'll notice in the upper left-hand corner of the show page, the Apple logo, that'll take you over to the iTunes store where the Midtown Business Radio Show podcast lives. Make sure you subscribe to us because then you'll be getting to meet all of these cool entrepreneurs, business executives from around the Atlanta area. I've gotten to meet several hundred people uh, in the two years I've been doing this. And, and I, I'll say I, I never get tired of it. They're, they're really amazing people. And in addition to just learning about business solutions that might help your business, clearly we do some features on local people too that, that are making a difference in our community. So we really hope you subscribe to us and check out all the people that we have to get you to know about every week. And um, we hope you turn around and share this information because you never know when you're going to put some information in the hands of somebody you care about that makes a big difference for either for their business or for their personal life. So we'll say thank you in advance for that. Harrison Ray, thanks for taking some time out of class to come by and introduce folks to you and what you're doing. For sure. Thanks for having me on. And Aaron, it was a real pleasure. I look forward to getting over and checking out the establishment and having one of those awesome looking burgers. Anytime. Me too. And I don't really eat burgers, but that one looked so good. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Jill LaMarche from Life University. And it's been a real treat for me to get to know about Life University. And from that point, became compelled to help tell the story and, and introduce people in the community to this university that uh, offers a number of cool degree programs that many people are interested in and helps put a focus in, in the mind of the student on how to be a better citizen as they're going about their professional and their academic career. So it's been a real pleasure to work with you, Jill, and have you here being part of the show. Thank you, CW. Always a pleasure for me to be here as well. Well, everybody out there, we want to say thank you very much for making us a part of your day today. For you folks here with us in the studio, I want to say thank you very much. I appreciate your time. It was great getting a chance to meet you face to face. And I look forward to seeing everybody same time, same place next week. We'll see you then. Cheers.